So guess what time I woke up today? About 3.30. When I don't take my sleeping pills, sometimes I just only need a few hours sleep or whatever and get up much earlier than I, than I normally would. So what does one do when they wake up that early? Well, if you're me, you go back into your first podcast episode and edit it again to make it sound a little bit better for folks so that I can reissue it. So this is my interview with Tim. Basically, the interview had like four parts. The first part where the mics were fine. Second part where the my mic was dying. And so I tried to amplify that part a bit when I was talking. Uh, a third part where things were working fine. And then a fourth part, which started about 20 minutes into the whole thing, and that was the longest part, where the sound in the original recording started getting echoey, and I had to move it to the, I had to move all the sound to the left channel. So the way we were recording it caused the echoiness, but also it made it easier for me to isolate the parts that I wanted to try to amplify. You know, not that hearing me is super important, but I thought maybe the overall sound quality you know, uh, would improve if you could hear both people talking. So here's my interview with Tim, Redux. Okay, this is episode one of Brian Talks to Humans coming at you from the Brian Talks to Humans headquarters, BTTHHQ, <laughs> which is, of course, a tiny apartment with two dogs and a guest in it, so it's pretty cramped. And after some technical difficulties, uh, we're on our way. Today's human is... Hey, it's me. Uh, uh, my name's Timothy Ward, uh, friend of Brian's. I'm loving your dogs. They're so good. They're such good boys. So, um... A really important question before we get back to that. Yeah, sure, please. Um, how are you doing with the national emergency? <laughs> Man. Uh, are you okay? I'm fucking... Do you feel emergent? Uh, emergent. Um, I'm freak... I, I don't know, man. Like, did he declare it yet? Like, what's 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 the state of this fucking you thing? You know, I don't know that it's official that he's um, declared it, but I know that um, he's going to. Great. Uh, sounds like a great fucking time. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not feeling too good about it, to be honest with you. Um, do you ever watch, uh, House of Cards? Yes, a lot. Yeah, uh, remember that time where fucking, excuse me, sorry, um, where, uh, um, how do you feel about swearing on the show? Just, uh, go right the fuck ahead. Cool, awesome. Um, the, um... Okay, sorry. Uh, technical difficulties again. Okay. We're back on board. Uh, House of Cards and the House analogy with the national emergency. Yeah, no, I just remember how uh, this fictional TV president um, uh, wound up using an, an uh, what was it? An, it wasn't a national emergency. I think it was just an emergency, state of emergency in Washington D.C. that he fabricated to like get a jobs program done, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. To, to yeah, reroute um, money from FEMA, I think it was. And um, if that's what a fictional president can do on a Netflix show, I'm just I'm a little nervous about what the what the hell is going to wind up happening if and probably when this happens. So you know, when we were at um, a friend's giving a while back, yeah, sure, sure. Um, 
I really I, I was biting my tongue all night, but then I, I long story short, uh, I blurted out, "Well, I, I think the Germans were thinking that in the '30s." Yeah, you know, and uh, I, I posted on Facebook a while back, you know, this thing comparing like this national emergency to the Reichstag fire in in Germany, and and then they said that was uh, one way that you know Hitler was like, "Okay, now give me like all this right. power that I didn't have right before that in the Parliament, the Reich, right. you know, the Reichstag." Well, well, look, gave at, him that, look at what that happened power, with the, and, you know. the the Patriot Act in nine eleven. Yeah. Right, you know, even um, I'm a bit of a Star Wars nerd, so I'm gonna um, <laughs> reference this too. It, you know, one of the reasons the Emperor in Star Wars came to power was because he fabricated a war, he fabricated an emergency, and he convinced the Senate. And the Senate was very corrupt in the Star Wars universe, which is, I, I, you know, and not not really rooted in reality, as we all know. You know, the Senate is a beacon of, <laughs> of integrity, um, and. Um, uh, wound up getting more and more emergency powers until he was able to just completely subvert the Constitution. Right. Um, and um, <laughs> George Lucas is a lot of things, but he's not exactly um, unaware um, of political situations. You know, all of Episode Six. I mean, the Battle of Endor was a sort of analogous to the Vietnam War. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The little Ewoks the, that could, you know, fighting the, the grave Imperial power. So... Um... Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, nerd stuff. Yeah, sure. So one thing that I was thinking about uh, the other day is kind of like how you're super nerd. <laughs> yeah. Like you do it all. I, it's Star Wars. It's Pokemon Go. Yeah. It's you know a tabletop game. Sure. It's, so is it something where you know you start to you pick up one or the other and then you're just like, well, then I'll do this, then I'll do that. And you sort of make this constellation of cultural choices and you kind of put yourself in this like, oh, well, I'm a nerd, so I have to like this kind of thing. Not that I'm saying right. you don't genuinely like no, it. No, no, no. But I, let me give you an example please. before you answer. So like, you know, I started getting into Grateful Dead and Fish, right? Right. And then you, you sort of take on certain sort of cultural practices when you do that, you know? And sure, then, sure. Then you start liking you know, it's sort of a, a narrow sliver of bands yeah, yeah, at, yeah, at yeah, the yeah. at the expense of, of other things sometimes. Right. Like so, you're supposed to like Mo. You're supposed to like Umphreys. You're supposed to like uh, you know. Yeah, I'll take and so you pick it. those up, right? You know what I mean. Yeah. So is it what what got you into nerd stuff, mm-hmm. and and how did it get from like you know, hey, Star Wars is cool to like I'm doing everything. I'm super nerd. That's a that's a really cool question. So my family in general. Um, particularly my family of origin, they were not big cinephiles, right? They weren't big into um, popular culture in a lot of ways, right? Um, You know, my mom, uh, I never was really taken to a whole lot of movies, right? Like, I think I might have seen Jurassic Park or or something like that. Um, But uh, I remember in, what was it, 99, 90, something like that, when episode one came out, The Phantom Menace, my aunt took me to that and she and and i remember like that was the first movie that i really loved right and because um and i know it's not you know it doesn't really hold up uh from my childhood i understand that but um so i saw that movie it was the first movie that i ever really liked so i was like okay this is the movie now this is my the movie that i watch and i remember watching the vhs tape in my grandmother's guest bedroom it was still vhs then. yeah 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 of course um and i would you know watch the whole movie through, uh, press stop because you had to press stop for it to rewind faster. Watch that blue screen for about 40 minutes or whatever, then rewatch the movie. And, um, so 
Star Wars for a long time when I was young was my literal only popular c- culture touchstone. Um, so I played all the video games and um, read read some novels and watched some TV shows, and um, I think that had a big impact on how I approach um, not just or maybe it wasn't an impact, but maybe it was sort of telling. Uh, about how I would approach most things later on in life is that um, when I find something I love, I dive deep and I dive heavy into it. I can identify. You know, and uh, and sometimes that has gotten me into trouble. Um, and, um, you know, so Star Wars was a thing and um, then video games became a thing because I was playing Star Wars video games and then I got introduced to other different video games and, um, you know, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't really know if... Um, I under, see, I understand your point uh, about, you know, when you get into one cultural sort of um, uh, pocket, you start to sort of um, ingest mu- a lot of that media specifically because you started in that pocket or something. Um, but mostly, um, I, I'm kind of a collection of the people that are around me, you know? you know. Okay. Um, so I got into Dungeons & Dragons because... Um, one of my friends was running a Dungeons & Dragons Star Wars campaign. So I was like, cool, let me check this out and I'll have so, fun. Pause yeah, button. Yeah, please. So a D&D Star Wars campaign is like, so it's played with like the rules and stuff of D&D, but the universe is a Star Wars universe? Basically. Basically. Okay. Some systems, you know, there's a thousand different tabletop systems, right? And uh, a few of the Star Wars systems have their own rules and mechanics. But like, same basic idea. You know, you're, you have a token and you have numbers associated with stats mm-hmm. and... Um, you roll dice to see what's going to happen. So, would it be safe to say that you were an indoorsy type of uh, person when no, you were young? No, no, no not at all. Okay. Um, you know, I remember like I'm I'm still young enough. You know, I'm 27, so I'm 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 old enough to remember the days of uh, AOL dial-up internet and mm-hmm. um, you know um, the internet not being a particularly um, viable way to consume media. <laughs> Um, so a lot of the time I was playing outside with my friends, um, you know, um, it was also before cell phones were really popular. So I remember walking around with these fucking walkie talkies that we all had, you know, <laughs> uh, different channels for and, and, sure. um, you know, uh, so it was still enough of an analog universe when, oh, you, yeah. Were, yeah, for when sure. you were young. Um, so then, so then you get into this, uh, D and D star Wars campaign. That was much later in life. That was when I was, you know, like 20 ish 21 so before that it Much was just the movies life, and 21. the video games and... uh yeah yeah mm-hmm. um i played card games growing up because those were the cartoons that i watched so like uh magic the gathering a little bit of Pokemon, magic more, Digimon. more Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, i don't know if digimon has a card game um oh i thought they did uh i could, I could be wrong dude um but um no i played Yu-Gi-Oh growing up a lot um i played Pokemon growing up a lot. Um, not much, so much the card game as the video game, but um, you know what it is? Um, uh, I have a lot of jackets, and this is going to make sense in a second. I have okay. a lot of jackets, you know. Um, and I, I, Actual jackets. Like, this is not coats. a metaphor like no, wearing like, a lot of hats. No, no, no. no okay. No, coats. Right. You know, the one that I, I'm wearing, you know, that I brought here today, I've had that for like eight years, right? Like, I have another coat at home that I've had for ten years. I, I like, I don't, let go of things that I like very easily, right? So 
even if I grew up with like football, I'm sure I would still be just as passionate or, you know, if I was interested in football, I'm sure I'd be just as passionate about football now as I was mm-hmm. when I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's more like I have a difficult time letting go of things that I genuinely enjoy. So, you know, as an adult, um, I don't really care if Pokemon is associated with like childishness because I enjoy it. I know the complexities of it. Mm-hmm. And um, it brings me joy. So, like, what am yeah. I? What, why am I going to fucking stop? So, that? so you think it's a personal thing? Like you said, when you when you get into something, you dive into it. Yeah. Or do, or do you think it's also a somewhat a generational thing? You know, because um, sure, people. I don't want to say grow out of it because again, that makes things sound you know adult versus child. Yeah, yeah, know, that sort of thing. But you know, I think I think maybe a little bit younger than me, we have folks you know playing video games into their thirties and forties, right, 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 because because they grew up with the video games. Is it sure. is it uh, both for you or? Um, I think personal and generational. I think it's I think it's a combination of the of the two to be frank because I think um a lot of people my age have an easier time uh indulging in what some folks might call childish things. You know, I know toy sales are up. Um I remember reading an article about this. Uh, I could be wrong, but toy toy sales are up wildly with with uh millennials, right? Like um you know, I bought like a $500 like custom-made lightsaber that I, like, put together. I know. I don't know. I know. See, laughing at that is so fucking rude because, I, <laughs> you know, like, I play fantasy football. Right, I mean, like, right, you know, right, So right. what the fuck's the difference, Exactly, right? that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's cultural, uh, you know, generational, but I know it's very specific to me uh, yeah. as well, you know. So you said uh, there's the complexities of, not that I want to, you know, go down a rabbit hole right, with right. this. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get onto something else in a second, but, you know, so... What are what are the complexities that make sort of a, something like a Pokemon Go? Sure, you know more than meets the eye to those folks who are dismissing it as like you're playing a kids game. Okay, so um, I'll, I'll just I'll just talk about Pokemon proper for a second because uh, Pokemon Go is a complicated mess. Um, like Pokemon proper is, you know, a giant game of rock paper scissors for lack of a better word. Right, you have different types. Okay. I'll give you three for an example. There's water, there's fire, there's grass, right? Um, fire will do double damage to grass. Uh, grass will do double damage to water, and water will do double damage to fire, right? And there's about 800 Pokemon, right, that all have different types, different type combinations. I think there's about 17 or 18 total types. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to take into account, you know, is the Pokemon that I'm choosing, and you get to pick six, is the Pokemon I'm choosing going to be able to counter this thing effectively? You know, how do I map out move sets that'll allow me to appropriately and effectively respond to whatever scenario is thrown my way? Um, you know, uh, what items am I going to let my Pokemon use? Am I going to, um, you know, give it an item that boosts its attack? Am I going to give it an item that'll let it re- regenerate health? There's like... It's, it's almost impossible for me mm-hmm. to describe, like, the like uncountable um, amount of situations that you could be presented in a situation like that. So, you know, to a kid, it's like, I got a Bulbasaur, and it, it smacked the guy with its leaf, mm-hmm. right? Like, But to an adult, it's like, is this person going to switch out a Pokemon? Because if he switches out a Pokemon, I need to make sure I'm using the appropriate move. Not for the Pokemon I'm about to t- attack, but for the Pokemon that's going to come out. So you got to be uh, several moves ahead like chess. Exactly. It's a very... It's... Yeah. It, it's more... Um, there's a lot of strategy and there's a whole lot of knowledge that you need to have in order to um, more... Most effectively participate in the match that you're 
you're taking, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're in at the moment, you know? Um, you know, and I did that with Star Wars too. Like, you know, when I was eight, right. I didn't pick up on the, the political intricacies of, of, you know, mm. suspending the constitution to grant basically fas- a fascist, like un, un, unchecked power. I was just like, those lightsabers are cool. And they, right, I right, like, yeah. I like that big ball that blows up planets. So, you know, I just think with age for me, um, it didn't, it didn't mandate that I get rid of some of these more quote unquote childish things. It just allowed me to dive more deeply and, and more, um, uh, intricately into the subtleties of the things that I really enjoy. And it just so happens that the things that I really enjoyed as a kid had a lot of <laughs> really interesting subtleties to, to dive into. So let's talk about another one of your, your passions. Yeah, um, please. Acting, theater. Yeah, 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 yeah. When did you get into that? Um, so when I was young, I had these Mega Blocks or Legos. I, I don't know which ones they were, but they were really big, right? Like, you know, and I would build stages, uh, and I would make my family watch me do Elvis impersonations, <laughs> or, like, I would dress up as Santa Claus for right, Christmas, right. and, you know, I'm, like, two or three years old. Um, so I, I did that a lot growing up. Um, did some school plays in middle school. I think it was George Washington in one year and appropriately enough, got to play Santa Claus another year. Um, and then in high school, um, that's when I started to get more involved in theater because, uh, you know, I'm not a jock. I'm not built for it. You know, I have, um, a couple of, uh, physical conditions that get in the way of me participating in those kinds of activities. So I, I went over to theater and, um, I had a blast and, um, you know, when I was in high school, I did well with, with the theater, but I was kind of like, eh, whatever, it's not really, you know, something I'm into. And then when I got to college, um, a friend of mine uh, encouraged me to audition for a show she was putting on, and I wound up getting the lead in that show and um, kept, just kind of kept doing it. And um, I really fell in love with it. It was really, um, it was really important to me in my, you know, uh, late teens, early 20s. Um why, why then, and why so important to you? What, what sure. button did it push? What itch did it scratch? Um, I wasn't a popular dude in, in high school. You know, I, I got there towards the end. People knew me, but that's just sort of the effect of being a senior, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then when I got in college, I found this thing that I was pretty good at, right? Like, I did, I, I was actually pretty good. I, I got a couple nominations in, like, school, right? like school awards, right, in the department, and it, it turned out this was the thing that I could do and I could do well. Um, and I could do it in a way that was unique and specific to me, which made me stand out. And to be honest with you, as, as much as I love the performance, I, I, I kind of loved the um, big fish in a small pond sort of effect that it granted me. You know, um, like being able to walk down campus and have somebody say, um, Hey, you're that guy in that show, right? You were really good, right? It was kind of an ego stroke, to be perfectly frank. But there was a real artistic component for it as well, you know. Um, 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 I just really enjoy diving into anything and really picking it apart and being able to do that with a script um, and um, decide what am I going to do? What action am I going to take that will effectively communicate the subtext of this line? Or, um, you know, um, it's just interesting. And I liked being challenged. That was really the the cool part. I had a lot of really great directors that really challenged me to do the best work that I could do. And um, it was, it was just sort of thrilling, 
um, you know, um, e- even when I go to concerts or, or um, you know, things like that, I'm always more uncomfortable in the audience than I am on the stage, um, hmm. which is an interesting thing for me. Yeah, you know, because for so many people, being on stage and doing anything public is, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> a, a great fear of theirs. So, um, so you're growing up, you're um, absorbing some of this nerd culture, and it becomes, you know, a, a, an obsession. You move into high school, and you're, you're and you know, into acting in theater. B- b- before I forget, yeah, too, yeah. Um, I don't mean to interject, but, like, no, cool. one of the things about acting um, that I really like, too, is, like, I get to live in that sort of fantasy world that I like to occupy, mm. you know, whether it's Star Wars or Pokemon or whatever, right? Like, um, I got to, um, you know, play like, uh, I got to play like a disembodied soul, like, you know, like going through different reincarnations. That was a lot of fun. Mm. I got to play a, a psychiatrist. I, I got to play um, a pseudo-Nazi officer, and that was really disturbing, mm. but it was certainly insightful. And, um, you know, there's something about diving into a very specific and well-crafted world and inhabiting it and uh, that I really, really enjoy. Um, because for me, acting isn't um, becoming somebody else. Acting is um, what would I do if I were in these circumstances, right? Like, like if I were this person, how would I behave? Um, so, so not to get you on the couch or anything, but <laughs> do you think there's a through line there? Yeah. In yeah, the two yeah, yeah. that you're, that there's a, a, an escape of reality sure. theme going on? So um, every psychiatrist or therapist that I've ever had has thought it was profoundly insightful to make that observation. Um, <laughs> you know, oh, you're an actor. Folks, he's telling me yeah. that I made that observation and it's not. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an obvious and reasonable question, sure. you know, to say, do you, uh, like to, do you like to perform as somebody else because you're uncomfortable with who you are? Right. Like, yeah, right. Who isn't, you know? Um, but, um, you know, um, there's, there's, I, for me, there's just something magical about, um, uh, just occupying space in, in a, a world that's a little more fantastical than ours, which is not to say that our world isn't, um, full of drama and fantasy, but, um, it's a little more contained in, uh, those, those other arenas. So, you know, People always say, like, you never ask straight people, when did you know you were straight? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, although I could probably, if I if I wanted to, uh, pinpoint a couple of spots where I was like, I realizing I, 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 I like girls. Right, you know right, right, I mean? right, right. And, you know, one of them was seeing a pretty woman on a magazine cover in the supermarket when I was, uh, like, six years old, you know? Something sure. Like that. You know? Um, so... How did you know, and when did you know that, like, hey, I'm, I'm into both? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's interesting because when I was very, very little, I was a, a hopeless romantic. Um, I remember there's a girl I grew up with, and I gave her a little flower when we were kids, right? I had a girlfriend, quote unquote, when I was in like first grade. Um, so it was never, it, it was an interesting thing of like, um, how do I say this? Um, you know, I, I was kind of attracted to men. There was also like when I was younger, a lot more, um, homophobia running rampant in terms of schools and, you know, like 
this guy, oh, that guy's gay, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, that word got thrown around a lot. And if I'm being frank, it was like, am I? <laughs> like, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, for me, it was never a question of, like, am I gay? Am I straight? Like, I like I love women. I love women a lot. I have a girlfriend. I have, you know, like, like I have always loved and have been attracted to women. It was more like, am I also attracted to dudes? Right? And that was obviously something that I explored, um, you know, a little later uh, than high school and stuff like that. But at the same time, um, it was never a question of, like, am I gay? Am I straight? It was more of a question of, like, no, I definitely like ladies, but, like, what's going on with this dude thing? Um, But I knew something was up maybe sixth grade, seventh grade-ish. And then when I was in college... um, things kind of took off for me and I dated a woman for a little while and, um, then, um, started to, you know, explore other options for Mm -hmm. lack of a better word. And, um, it's weird because to me, it's like the sexuality that makes the most sense, which is not me like dismissing anybody's personal identity or, or, or anything like that. It's just like, you know, um, I'm not like going to close myself off to a potential, like beautiful romantic relationship um, um, based on somebody's gender or lack of gender or, you know, their fluidity or whatever like that. Um, So it's, it wasn't, um, it it was, it was more a question of what is the label that I have? Because I knew I wasn't straight. So it was a question of like, Mm -hmm. where do I fall on the spectrum? Because we're obsessed with labels. Exactly. Exactly. Which is a ridiculous idea. Sure. And I mean, there's science to suggest that, uh, at least I think I've read uh, somewhere, that, you know, there's no such thing as a thousand percent straight. I don't know, man. I, th- I think maybe scientifically not, but culturally, sure. you know, yeah. you know, um, it, it's 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 kind of ingrained. You know, like I was just saying, like growing up and, and being called gay uh, when I was a kid, right? Yeah. Like it was um, <laughs> like... You know, the word gay was used as a slur and an insult rather like than the simple descriptor that, you know, we kind of use today. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. I remember seeing something on Tumblr not too long ago about a smoking ad. It was like two kids in high school and like this is a few years ago, um, like sneaking into the bathroom and like they're getting a little too close. It's a little weird. And like he pulls a pack of cigarettes out of his pocket and it like faded to black and it was like like a really ominous like truth voice for lack of a better word it was like um uh are they smoking or are they gay smoke <laughs> i'm not even kidding and i'm not even kidding and then it went and then it went smoking is gay no i'm not even kidding it's a real yeah uh, i gotta yeah I gotta find that yeah check that out it's when fucking I, wild the show notes i'm gonna try to find a link mm. to that for folks and oh yeah it's um yeah. it's insane <laughs> it's wild so um so then for you, it's just being open to, to possibilities. Right? Yeah, but I mean, there's also a, a, I mean, like, I'm also genuinely attracted uh, to, to men in many ways. Um, but um, yeah, it, it like, it, it didn't make sense to me to not embrace that part of, of, of who I was because, like, it just meant closing myself off to whatever, you know, um, experience was going to make me the most happy around what age did you say okay this world likes labels this is the label that i'm adopting (laughs) yeah it was um maybe 20 21 
um, after my first real significant relationship when um, I felt more comfortable moving around in that arena with with a little more uh, with a little more of a laissez-faire attitude, let's say. And um, it was, you know, the frustrating part was trying to figure out what to call myself. You know, like, am I bisexual? Am I pansexual? Am I queer? Am I heteroflexible? Whatever. And it just for me personally, the word bi made the most sense. And like, you know, there's there's a whole movement in this in the community, the queer community. It's it's really fractured. It's kind of weird. You know, it can be very unified movement and and group of folks but it can also be very fractured like um, many movements yeah oh absolutely and um there's this whole discussion in the queer community uh, the lgbt community there's even a discussion about whether or not saying the word queer in reference to all uh sort of gender and sexual I- identifications is even appropriate which is kind of weird to me but um like the idea that bisexuality is inherently problematic because it enforces the gender binary mm-hmm. but you know, for most folks like me, right, like like bisexuality doesn't mean attracted to men and women. It means attracted to one or more gender. Okay. Right. Is so okay. Yeah. So then how? So then why not like poly or pan? Or... So um, pan also just means it's like a universal sort of um, term for like I'm attracted to people, right? right? F- for me, like like the two are relatively interchangeable as far as you know, like I'm attracted to, I, I have a, a pansexual friend and we're attracted to the same people, not like individual people, but we're attracted to the same types of people. And for me, by just made more sense. It just felt more correct for me and my personal identity identity than mm-hmm. a different label. Yeah. So uh, it, it's just a, a weird um, thing that is being debated. Do you listen to uh, the podcast query? I don't. No, no, I don't. It's it's pretty good. I mean, um, I'm not of the community, but sure. I certainly enjoy it. It's uh, it's one that you you might be into. So yeah, um, you want to talk about mental health or no? Yeah, let's 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 dive into it, man. So, um, around what age uh, are you uh, starting to feel certain things, or, or yeah. and around what age do they do they put a label on you? The f- you get diagnosed. Uh, so. My experience with therapy started very young when my folks got divorced. Um, You know, so they got divorced and I went right into a therapist's office. Um, And um, the first moment that I really remember having like an emotional sort of (laughs) uh, inappropriate or let's say uh, a heightened emotional state is when um, I turned 13 (laughs) And I like locked myself in my bedroom on my birthday party and cried because I was now a teenager and that my childhood was over. Um, and, um, you know, uh, I mentioned that I have a medical condition when I was 15 or 16. I, I, I received that diagnosis and that sent me into a spiral of um, really my first major depressive episode. And um, as I got older, things got a little more complicated. You know, the depression sort of started to get coupled with mania um, until um, right at the end of my of my first go at, at uh, undergrad, and um, I had to take some time off to to get my 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 uh, recovery on track. Right, like my my mental health and um, a couple of other different things that needed to get um, sort of under control and. Um, the diagnosis proper maybe happened when I was 22. Okay. Um, which is 
you know, I have manic depressive disorder, right? So um, that's you're two though, right? You're bipolar two. No, I'm one. I'm oh, one. one. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm 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 full blown. We're okay. here, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, you can't really diagnose that. You know, um, one of the criteria is having a, a full blown unconditional manic episode, and that usually doesn't happen until your early to mid twenties. Oh, okay. Yeah. Didn't realize. Yeah. That. So yeah. when I was younger, I was diagnosed with depression, ADHD, sure. yeah. uh, eventually obsessive compulsive disorder, or major depressive disorder. All of these diagnoses that didn't, you know, account for a problem that couldn't have been diagnosed yet because I didn't have that manic episode. Um, so I remember very clearly, like I had to av- advocate for myself. Like I read the DSM, right? Like I, I right, yeah. like I read through the the diagnosing uh, criteria for certain conditions until. I was talking to some friends of mine um, who, uh, you know, were in my outpatient programs who were, you know, like also there to get their mental health under control. And suddenly the the symptoms of bipolar disorder started to describe my experience better than this mis, this mismatch, this like uh, smattering of different um, diagnoses. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to push for it. Like I had to, you know, um, I remember I was on a slew of different medications and I said to my doctor, um, if I am not bipolar, I shouldn't be on this medication or this medication. And um, he was like, okay, that's a fair point. And I said, so let me, let's go off these medications and see what happens and get the right diagnosis. Uh, so I went off those medications under the proper medical supervision, mm-hmm. right? And um, wound up having a, at least a mild episode of an episode enough to get the proper diagnosis. But one of the things that I've learned when it comes to my medical health and my mental health is that I need to be my best advocate. Sure. Yeah. You know, and that's something that I try to pass on to folks who are in uh, similar circumstances. You know, um, I, I just, you know, your experience better than anybody else. And as long as you're um, taking the advice of the professionals and the folks around you, you know, in earnest, um, you still have to advocate for yourself. You know, the only reason I still see my own psychiatrist, the, the psychiatrist that I've been seeing since I was a kid was because he knows that I know, like he knows what I he knows that I have a, a pretty decent understanding of how medications work and how my particular uh, illness works for me. And um, he'll listen to me when I say, like, you know, this medication isn't working. I think it's because of X factor um, and we should probably switch over to Y dosage, right? Like um, um, having that knowledge base has allowed me to um, – again, be my best advocate and, and make sure that I can take care of myself in, in, a, in an appropriate way. Mm. Yeah, I, I've had to do some trial and error with uh, the meds. Too. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, you know. unfortunately, it's not like diabetes where, like, right. you know, this is your blood sugar level. You know, this is your insulin dose. So it's it sounds to me like in these, in the teenage to early 20 years, yeah. early 20s years, you've got the, the physical health issues sure. going on. Yeah. You've got the mental health issues going on. You're exploring your sexuality, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and yeah, these are tough years for for folks, even without, right? You know, sort of those three things yeah. going on. Um, how do you come out on the other side, being the Tim that I know, right? Who's you know got his shit together, <laughs> right? So right? To yeah, I mean, absolutely. Who, who has their shit together? Nobody. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? No, I do. You I know. do. I know what you mean. Um, it was a lot of realizing what I could and could not handle. Um, you know, uh, like I said, uh, my first undergo, my first go around at undergrad went really well until my mental health started to get out of control. And, and one of the things that, um, um, sort of, um, like made that 
sort of unmanageability show up was, you know, like any other college kid, I drank, you know, and I, I, I did, um, uh, you know, have some fun. I went to some parties and stuff like that. And, and the problem with, with bipolar disorder is that, you know, um, here's an interesting thing, right? So alcohol is a depressant, right? I have bipolar disorder and, you know, there's depression and then there's mania, which is like the other complete side of the spectrum, right? It's like anti-depression and I'm not talking about like, you know, Zoloft, right? Right. Right. No, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's like, um, it's like, like Spock and bearded Spock, like mania is bearded depression. <laughs> I'll take your word right? for it. Right. Yeah. So, um, um, turns out the alcohol as a depressant was masking the mania. So it actually made my, um, um, mental health a little more manageable, right? Believe it or not. Then I got cast in a role to play a recovering alcoholic. I remember hearing about yeah. this. Yeah, tell so story. I, um, I was very into acting at the time again in my, my early twenties. And, um, uh, I was taught, uh, you know, a little bit about method and a little bit about Stanislavski's system and, you know, really diving into a character and inhabiting their world and their mindset. So I was like, all right, so I'll just stop drinking. Um, you know, and, um, one that was a little harder than I thought it would be. And then two, you take the depressant away from a person that needs something to keep that mania in check. All of a sudden, all your symptoms are going to show up and that's exactly what happened to me. And, um, um, I had to walk away from school for a little while again, um, to help rein in a lot of, of, um, things that I had no idea what they were or what was going on or how to manage them. And I, the, the, the simplest way that I can describe getting out on the other side and, 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 um, getting my own circumstances under control is to sort of just like, again, take the word of, like take the advice of the people that know more than I do, Yeah, you know? And, you know, eventually when you do that enough, you start to, learn a little bit about your own circumstances and can advocate for yourself, sure. you know, but like, um, um, I'm only where I'm at today. And I'm only alive because people cared enough to, um, um, I guess allow me the dignity of my own recovery, but also, um, to take care of me when I couldn't take care of myself. Right. Until until I was able to sort of, again, start becoming my own advocate in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. So let's fast forward to now a little mm. bit. Uh, you, you use the word girlfriend, so I'll use it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, uh, where'd you meet her? Through friends of friends. You know, we were, were hanging out at a, a Halloween party mm. and somebody suggested we go into the city and, um, you know, hit up a, um, somewhere just like to dance or whatever. Right. And, um, uh, I decided to say yes again, just another instance in my life that just showed up because I said yes at the right time. Um, and we met, she laughed at my jokes. <laughs> I asked her for coffee and yeah. it, it went from there. That's yeah. How it goes, uh, yeah. Uh, interesting story about that night too. We went, we were originally trying to go to a couple of different places, but the only place that didn't really have a line was this gay bar called the monster. And uh, it turns out I was the only one that had never been to a gay bar in the in that group of folks. It was all straight people, right, and right. I was like, I've never been to a gay bar. <laughs> um, so uh, you got a healthy relationship. Yeah, you've got um, like we said for whatever shorthand that that we're gonna we're gonna use. Got your shit together. Right, right, right. Uh, you just recently uh, finished undergrad. Correct? I did. I did. Yes. 
So are you still thinking about um, education? I am. I am thinking about it. Um, You know, with that, it's kind of tricky because part of me is like, yeah, I kind of want to really do that. And then part of me is like, people have been telling me that for a long time. And I don't know if that's just something that has been incepted, you know, into my brain or if it's something I really want to do. But um, it's definitely on the table. Um, You know, it's weird. I didn't, you know, because of how um erratic uh the last few years have been trying to get everything under control and now like now I'm comfortable I'm stable I'm I'm like really doing very very well in a lot of different arenas um but like I went to file some paperwork at the end of December and they're like oh yeah you know you're graduated like you're done so I was just kind of like oh okay um I guess I'll start the next part of life right so <laughs> which is the next 40 years we have yeah, to choose something right to, right you know, exactly not, actually you don't you know because it's so many people change careers these days but, right yeah um i'm sorry keep going oh no no so you know it, it's on the table it's just um i got hit with with uh, the graduation very uh kind of out of nowhere so mm-hmm. um i'm not exactly sure where where this this path is going to take me next but either way like i said um with with the people around me and and the um the amount of um the how much i have put into you know becoming a more well-rounded and and balanced healthy person uh the more i'm convinced that regardless of whatever i decide to do i'm going to do it well and i'm going to be um uh okay you know right on okay so a couple important things here yeah please number one what was the name of the the uh, in the most recent um, Star Wars? Uh, the Last Jedi or uh, Solo? Uh, no, no, you know the other the Last Jedi. So the the what were the little things, the little animal things that Porks? Uh, Chewie ate one. Porks, I believe okay, they're called right. Porks. So what's your stance on things like Jar Jar and Porks and things like right. that in the in the Star yeah, Wars yeah, yeah, canon? Yeah, yeah. And... Star Wars is a fucking franchise for kids. Okay, it's always been a kids franchise. It just has been, and. Um, you know, I think, I think um, dismissing some of the more childish aspects of the franchise is is just ridiculous. Do you think we're gonna get more of it now that Disney's in control? Or? I mean, we have, um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Look at the Ewoks, right? And yeah. and the Ewoks, like I said, still managed to be an allegory for the Vietnam War. So, like, what do <laughs> that's you, true. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, yeah, I, I don't have an issue with that. One thing about Jar Jar Binks that um, I find frustrating a little bit. He's one of the very first fully CGI characters in cinema. Mm-hmm. So regardless of whether or not you hate the character, you can't deny how important he is to the special effects industry. That's a good way of putting it. I never, I never thought of it that way. Okay, yeah. uh, we're gonna play. Uh, you've chosen some outro music for us. Yeah, for sure. Before we get to that, uh, book, movie, play, album. Book, movie, play, album. One of them. All of them. Okay. That that pick one that, that like has like speaks to you or helps define you or or if I, if I was okay. gonna make a soundtrack of your life, you know what would it be? That sort of thing. Yeah. Um. Okay. Um. Movie that speaks to me because this is actually something I wanted to touch on. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a really good movie, um, mostly because it deals with for me what hit really hard was like how do you forget relationships? How do you like, like how do you move past troubling moments in your life? Right? Like 
do you do your best to forget and move on or do you confront the difficulties of what you've endured and move through it right like um i talked a little bit about being hard on myself at the beginning of the podcast right like um you know like i i, I do my best to be an avid feminist and 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 uh, um you know, uh, advocate in the queer community and, and use, like, I'm a white dude. I'm a straight passing white dude, right? Like, there's a lot that um, I can do with the way that I look and the way that I present to help folks who don't have that same level of privilege, right? Even if it's just, um, you know, um, I, I, how do I even articulate this? Like, um, like, uh, you know, stopping a cashier at a store for saying something, you know, racist or something like whatever, you know, whatever it is, you know. Um, so I have all this this privilege and I haven't always utilized it most like effectively. Right. And and with responsibility. Um, and, you know, in a lot of cases, I like like every young person without much knowledge of, of how other people move in the world. Um, I've contributed to certain problems in a lot of ways. Like I, I, um, you know, when I was very, very young, um, I always thought like feminism was a valid thing, but like I still contributed to cultures and, and, and behaviors that sort of perpetuate the, the, the cycle of, of, uh, unfairness and, 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 and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think the reason I'm bringing up eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is, um, you know, with all of that in my past and with all of um, um, the things that I would like to forget that I have done or that I have not done, right? Um, it's important to know that, one, you'll never be able to forget it. Two, you shouldn't forget it and that you should own up to certain things, move through them, not like past them. Mm. And... Um, start learning from mistakes and utilizing certain areas of privilege in order to make somebody else's life better. So that way that privilege isn't quite as disproportionate. Um, so that's one of the, that I like eternal sunshine and spotless mind in that regard. Um, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Okay. Um, you're an actor. Yeah. What's your favorite play? Doubt. Uh, I really, really, really love doubt. Um, it deals with, I mean, I grew up Catholic. Um, I'll abstain from the recovering Catholic joke. Um, and, um, I just really like the nuance of that play. Um, it questions institutions without doing so directly. It, uh, you know, the viability of those institutions and the integrity of those institutions, it, um, is a really personal sort of story. You know, it's like four or five characters at the most, um, it carries a lot of impact and, um, it's one of my favorite plays, for sure. For sure. By a long shot. So, uh, plugs. Um, yeah. Let's plug, uh, first, your, do you, you want to plug the voiceover stuff you're working on? Oh, yeah, that would be great. Okay. Um, I'm working on a cartoon show. It's, it's, it's a web series that's currently in the process of being funded. Uh, it's, it's called Space Hotel. It's by, um, let me pull up the GoFundMe real quick. Uh, the GoFundMe page... Uh, is listed as uh, Galactic Punch Bowl. Um, that's the production company, cool. right? Yeah. But I'm playing the lead uh, on this cartoon show, a guy named Job, um, who is working at a hotel in space to pay off his great, great, great ancestor's college debt. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a good show. It's current. Yeah. It's currently um, getting funded on GoFundMe, or uh, you know, so if you want to drop over there, drop a couple dollars on that. 
Uh, that'd be very appreciated. Um, so that's that. Um, podcast. Podcast. Uh, I do a podcast with a couple guys called 203040. Um, you, we're on pretty much all your favorite podcatchers. You can find us on the Apple Podcast app, uh, 20-30-40.net. Um, and um, I'm actually in the process of, of, of kind of crafting my own podcast. Um, it's been in the works for a little while, and I haven't found folks who were as committed to the concept as I have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just decided to sort of do what you're doing and, and sort of do it on my own. Um, the basic premise is much like you, you interview in, in interesting ordinary people with interesting lives. And one of the things that my podcast, uh, I'm considering back of hand canon, um, is interviewing colloquial experts on things like star Wars or Pokemon and sort of talk about the most interesting thing about that that no one's really talking about and um hopefully you know we talk about using privilege and and stuff like that hopefully getting a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds and not only talk about the thing that they're an expert in but talk about their experience of being a black woman who's a star wars fan and and dealing with the toxic sort of culture that is in that franchise Mm -hmm. or being you know um a trans woman who uses their uh, identity to explore uh, uses Dungeons and Dragons to explore their gender identity, right? I have a few friends that have done that. So, like, that's part of the thing, uh, the, the the other part of that, that 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 thing that I'm working on. So, cool. I will keep my eyes out for that. Yeah, please. And when it when it emerges, I will definitely uh, tell the the four people that will be listening. Yeah, to this. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and... Well, one of the reasons, folks, that I, I chose Tim uh, to be on episode one is because I knew that as I was nervously looking at my notes. And the time uh, that we had been talking, and whether or not the technical side was working, <laughs> that there would be no dead air. Uh, <laughs> and that is not a knock on Tim. Okay. That is that is a, a, a compliment to how seriously he takes everything that I think he considers uh, and digs deep on it. And uh, I really want to thank you for for joining me on the, on the maiden voyage. No, this was a lot of fun. I'm I, I'm honored to be your first guest, and I really appreciate the. The, the little uh, um, compliment you just gave me. It means right. a lot. I appreciate it. Cool. All right, folks. Thanks. Take care, folks. So there's the uh, new and improved version of my interview with Tim. I think it sounded a little better. Plus, it reintroduces Tim to those tons of listeners who have just joined the show recently and may not have heard episode one. Go to BrianTalksWithHumans.net for my email and social media. Click on contact there, and you can find a button to donate to the cause through Patreon. Thanks for listening.